going to continue from John chapter 14. We've had a little, we've had special services and interrupted some of this, but preached two messages so far out of the first 15 verses of John 14. And it is this passage that I'm going to preach from today, and I will probably have to split it up into two messages. We'll see how it, it plays out today. But it is this passage, though, that started me in John 14. Read beginning at verse 16 today. John 14, 16, I will ask the Father and He will give you another helper that He may be with you forever. That is the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not see Him or know Him, but you know Him because He abides with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you. After a little while, the world no longer will no longer see me, but you will see me because I live, you will live also. In that day, you will know that I am in the Father, and the Father in me, and I in you, and he who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and will disclose myself to him. Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said to him, Lord, what then? has happened that you are going to disclose yourself to us and not to the world. Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our abode with him. He who does not love me does not keep my words, and the words which you hear is not mine, but the Father who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while abiding with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. God bless you. You may be seated. Today I'm going to preach for just a little while. On this thought, His Spirit in us. And I feel the presence of the Lord here. So before I go any further, would you lift your hands one more time and just love the Lord. Jesus, we praise you. God, we love you. We adore you. We thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you for your mercy to us. We thank you for your word. And we thank you for your spirit that is truth and it is life. And we give you praise for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. The context of John 14, to reiterate that to you, is this. It is the last week of Jesus' earthly ministry. At least the last week before he goes to the cross and would be crucified. In John 13, we see him starting out with washing his disciples' feet. And Peter, in his usual boisterous nature, without understanding says to Jesus, I'm not going to let you do that. And Jesus says to Peter, if you don't let me do this, you have no part in me. And then Peter, in typical fashion, goes to an extreme and says, well, fine, just wash me all over. And Jesus said, that's not really what we're talking about. And, and he talks about the fact that he came to serve, but not to be served, and that his disciples would need to do the same. And they go from there that 
entrance of the house, they go to what is the Last Supper, and you know the, the prophecy in Jesus speaking to Judas Iscariot about betraying him. And then Peter saying that he would never betray the Lord and the prophecy that before the cock crows twice, he would deny him three times. And, and so Peter does indeed exactly what Jesus says. And Jesus is, then shifts and talks about this fact that he's going away. The disciples have no concept of this, and it's easy for us in 2023, after the fact, as they say, uh, after the fact, our, our vision is 2020. We can see everything clearly after it's happened. But before it happens, it's very difficult to, to understand and grasp what's going on. And, and so the disciples are no less than us in that regard, and so... Jesus tells them, do not let your heart be troubled. If you believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, there you may be also. And this promise of heaven and this promise of being with Jesus forever. And of course, they don't get all of this. They're not sure. And he says, you know where I'm going and you know the way. And they're like, well, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? Some three years plus, Jesus has been telling them he's going away and he's from heaven. He's going to heaven. And they're like, we don't know where you're going. We don't know the way. And he declares that he is the way, the truth, the life. And no man comes to the Father except through him. And this idea that he is the only way to heaven. And then he declares that he and the Father are one. And then he makes this declaration where we ended last time and when we were together in John 14, this declaration of answered prayer, that if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Once again, Jesus, though speaking of this going away, tells them some things about the Holy Spirit, and ultimately what he is setting up is this, is that he's going away, but they're not going away. To be alone. I don't know about you, but most of the time I don't like to be alone. I'm an extrovert. How many extroverts in the house? Introverts? How many of you don't know? You just kind of go back and forth. It depends on the circumstance. And most of the time I'm an extrovert, but I'm, I can do my time as an introvert and being by myself, but I would hate to do life alone. I would not do very good on an island by myself. There are some people, they would be just fine on an island by themselves. They don't like people. They don't want to see people. They don't want to talk to people. People frustrate them, wear them out, take all of their energy. But I don't like to be alone. And I've told you before, when, when knocking doors, talking to people... I felt like God led, told me to quit my job and go do outreach full time, and I was just one house in. And I'm imagining everything that people are saying about me as they're driving by on the street, like, what is this moron doing out walking in, the, in people's yard, knocking on doors? And they would really have no idea what that would look like. And this is how bad it was. I found one person to go with me, a 12-year-old boy from the church. And I told him, I just want you to go with me. You don't have to say anything. You just stand there. And I'm telling you, as God is my witness, 
me and Ryan Mead. He could just stand there and I could go to a door and knock on the door. I was perfectly fine. But if I was by myself, I was like imagining all kinds. I don't like to be alone. There is a reason I would tell you. I was just being biblical. There's a reason Jesus sent them out two by two. He didn't say just everybody go their own way. He sent them out two by two. There's a psychological and probably a sociological process that goes through here. But Jesus tells them that he's not going to leave them alone. But he says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper. So from this text, I'm going to give you, if I get through it all, I'm going to give you six truths about the Holy Spirit from this passage. I'm probably not going to get through them all, so we're going to pick it up next week. But understand this, and this is the overarching truth of all of this, that God gives His Spirit to those who follow Him. And as a result of that, we must receive and follow that Spirit. That if He's going to give His Spirit to us, then our responsibility is to receive His Spirit and to follow the leading of the Spirit. So the first truth is this, is that God gives the Holy Spirit as our helper. Look at your neighbor and say, He gives Him as our helper. We have a helper. Now, I, would, I could get, I don't, well, I don't want to get overly theological, but when He says this, I will give you another. It is another of the same kind. It's not another of a different kind. It's not a separate thing, but it is another of the exact same kind. What we're going to see, we'll, I'll explain this as we go, but then Jesus uses this word, parakletos is the, the word for helper there. I don't want to get too much Greek for you, but what it, it has a broad level of meanings. King James would translate, I will give you a comforter. That's one use of the word. That's one part of the definition, but it's more than just someone or something to comfort us when things are going bad. It is an all-encompassing kind of word that says if you need comfort, then you have this comfort. If you just need somebody to be with you, then you have this person to be with you. And we're going to see that the Spirit, when the Spirit is at work in our lives, it's going to do a lot more than just be our comforter. It's it's going to do a lot more than make us just feel good because we're not alone. It is, in essence, one who comes alongside. Jesus has been walking and guiding these disciples. It's not like we do discipleship today. We do discipleship today, and I I listen to a lot of things about discipleship. And there are people, and they will make this 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 big push that we got to disciple people like Jesus did. I'm all for that. Look at your neighbor and say, that's a good thing to make disciples like Jesus. But then when they describe discipleship, it's not really like Jesus. They will talk about you got to meet together weekly and one-on-one and you got to have this, this relationship. That's good. That's like Jesus. But Jesus is not meeting people once a week. Jesus is not once a week calling the disciples to come to him and have a conversation with him once a week. But they are living with Jesus. They are walking with Jesus. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, they're walking with Jesus. 
They're going to the same places as Jesus. They're, they're, when He's there healing people, they're standing there watching. When He's feeding the 5,000, they're passing out the bread and the fish. That they are with Him all the time, and they are with Him constantly. They are living life with Him. And so for three years, they're walking with Jesus, and everywhere they go, Jesus is with them. Or maybe I should say it this way, everywhere Jesus goes, they are with Him. Jesus is not their tag-along buddy, they're tagging along with Him. He's setting the direction, He's setting what they're doing. And for three years, they're walking with Jesus every day. He stops at Mary and Martha and Lazarus' house, guess what, they're with Him. Mary's sitting at Jesus' feet, Martha's in the the kitchen cooking, the disciples are all sitting there with Mary. Then when he gets word that Lazarus is sick and he's going to die, his disciples are with him. He's ministering. He goes to the temple, they go to the temple. He goes to the market, they go to the market. That everywhere he goes, they go with him. And now he's telling them, I'm leaving. I'm going away. Imagine your rabbi the one you're with every day just says, oh, by the way, I'm getting ready to take off. And he tells them, though, I'm not going to leave you by yourself. I'm going to give you a helper. You're going to have the spirit that's going to be with you. And this spirit is, in essence, it is God in a different form. We're going to see this play out, that it's not just Jesus goes away and then we're going to send a total of different thing. No, it is the same God in a different form. It's not Jesus in the flesh. Now Jesus in the Spirit is what's going to be walking with them and living inside of them. Aren't you glad that we don't have to go through this alone, but we can have the Holy Spirit of God living on the inside of us, that everywhere we go, He is with us, and everywhere He leads, we can follow And when we show up at church, he is here already saying, I've been waiting on you. But he was at your house when you left saying, come on, you need to get out of the house and get to church. It's going to rain today, but you're okay. It was supposed to rain later. So whoever's getting the feather flags today, my apologies. And if it's me, I'm really sorry. But the second truth is this, is that the Holy Spirit says the Holy Spirit will be with you forever. This helper, it's not a temporary thing, it is a forever thing. I will ask the Father, He will give you another helper that He may be with you forever. This is a distinction in our New Testament walk with God. In the Old Testament, the Spirit would come upon people in a temporary manner. That the Spirit of God, when, when God would interact with His creation, and I mentioned this in Sunday school today, when God would interact with His creation in the Old Testament, He would just say, the Spirit of God moved on them, and the, the Spirit of God came on them, and the Spirit of God did this, and the Spirit of God did that. And when that would happen in the Old Testament, the Spirit of God would come upon people for a specific purpose. And when that purpose was fulfilled, when they had accomplished that purpose, 
the Spirit of God would lift and would no longer be with them in the same way. When the artisans who would make the furniture that would go in the tabernacle, and when God would give the specific instructions of using this kind of wood and overlay it with gold, and you beat the gold this way, and you make it these dimensions, and you do all of this, the Bible says that the Spirit of God came upon them as they worked and as they fashioned the furniture of the the tabernacle. And then when the furniture is done and the brazen altar and the brazen labor and the, the table of showbread and the ark of the covenant and the candlesticks, when all of this is done, the Spirit of God lifted off of them. And the Spirit of God would come on the prophets in the Old Testament and they would prophesy in that moment. The Spirit of God would come on kings like Saul and he would prophesy for some 24 hours And then the Spirit of God would lift and then He would be by Himself. And so Jesus makes this distinction. And this distinction is this, is that the Spirit is intended to be with us forever. That God is not saying, I'm going to give you the Spirit and it's just going to be for a little period of time. But it is designed, the process, the way it's been ordained from the beginning of time is that when you receive the Spirit, He will be with you forever. It is a, the Spirit is to be a permanent resident in the life of every believer. Jesus walked 33 years on this earth in a bodily form. And then He's saying, I'm going away and He's sending the Spirit, but the Holy Spirit isn't leaving until we do. That the Spirit of God is designed to be and live inside of every believer forever. Aren't you glad that God doesn't come on us in just a moment? I come to church and God comes on me and then when I leave, I'm on my own. That when I leave the church, when I leave this building that we call a church, then the Spirit stays here. No, the Spirit is designed to go with us. Wherever we go, the Spirit is. Wherever, we, we're at, when we're at work or we're at school, the Spirit is. When we're at home or where we're playing, the Spirit is with us. It is designed to be a permanent residence in the life of a believer. But I would say this. It's not impossible for the Spirit to depart. The Bible is abundantly clear that it is not once saved, always saved. That there is, when you receive the Spirit, and while that Spirit is designed to live with us forever, it's not a guarantee that He will. There is an overabundance of Scriptures that would tell us that we must continue in the faith. That we must walk in the Spirit. That we must live after the Spirit. That we must live holy and righteous and godly in this present world. And that to the extent that we cease to follow Jesus, to that extent we can no longer guarantee that the Spirit of God will be with us forever. But it is not 
like those who would pull the, the daisy. And he loves me. He loves me not. Anybody ever done that? Any girls growing up? Any boys? A few chuckles here and there? Okay. And, and you just got to hope that if you really like the boy, that last one you pull is, he loves me. <laughs> he loves me, he loves me not. He loves me, he loves me not. Pulling off the pedals. Your eternal happiness depends on the number of pedals. I don't know, maybe there's the same number of pedals on every daisy. If there is, then you've got to game the system. Be like, he loves me not at first. <laughs> but there are those who would say that when you're saved, you can never be lost. On the other side of that spectrum are those who would be like, man, you're probably going to be lost because everything you do, he just departs from you and you're a sinner. And... But it's not... I had a bad thought and now I'm going to hell today. He loves me not. I got angry with a coworker. He loves me not. No, he still loves you. He's still, he's still with you. But over a period of time, if you fail to follow him and you fail in your relationship with him, there will come a time where the Spirit of God can depart. And I would tell you for most people that do that, just like Samson, when he got up after his hair was cut, the Bible says he shook himself as he, he did at the other times, and he knew not that the Spirit of God had departed from him. So when we don't follow after the Spirit, it is possible that he will not be with us forever, but he is designed to be with us forever. And as long as you continue to work, and as long as you continue to walk and follow Him, and you're, you're doing what it is He's wanting you to do, and you're loving Him, you don't have to worry about that. He is not a temporary resident, but He is designed to be permanent in your life. And last for today is this, that the Holy Spirit is given as the Spirit of truth. So what is the Spirit of truth? You would put verse 17 on the screen. The Spirit of truth. Jesus just throws this out here and just says, He's the Spirit of truth. The, holy, the world can't receive Him. and The world does not see Him. The world does not know Him. But you know Him. Because He abides with you and will be in you. The Bible would say, and Jesus would say of Himself, that He is the way, the truth, and the life. So the Spirit of truth is that Spirit of Jesus that comes to live inside of us. The, the Holy Spirit is that Spirit that is designed to help us to discern truth from error. The Holy Spirit is designed to help us to to discern truth from this attitude and this mindset in our world today that anything goes and whatever you want to believe is true and whatever you want to believe is just okay. The Spirit of truth says, no, this is, there is only one truth. There is only one way to live. There is only one thing to believe in, and that is Jesus Christ. And the Spirit of truth is that which aligns with the written Word of God. 
Have you ever had somebody tell you a story, or maybe you hear it on the news, and you're like, man, that just doesn't, I don't know, that just doesn't ring as true. Anybody ever had that? That's what the Spirit will do in our lives. You hear something, and you're like, I don't know, that just doesn't sound right. But in the narratives of the world, the, the stories that the world is pushing, the truths that the world is pushing, the Holy Spirit in us will help us to go, I don't, that's not, that doesn't line up with the written Word of God. That doesn't sound right. That doesn't feel right. It's the Spirit of truth. And the world can't receive Him. Why is that that the world can't receive Him? The world, those that do not follow Jesus, the world, those who are going along with the system of the world, the Bible says, Jesus says, they cannot receive the Spirit. Not only can they not receive the Spirit, they can't see or know the Spirit. The reality is they are rejecting the biblical Christ. I have told you before about the whole AI Jesus thing. Artificial intelligence Jesus. I think there are some 70 different artificial intelligence Jesuses currently out there. I'll have the musicians come. And these artificial or AI Jesus, they will tell a good story. They will create a certain narrative or framework for the audience. But what they say doesn't line up with the Scripture. What they say doesn't line up with the biblical Jesus. And the world is flocking to them because they want to hear what Paul would say to Timothy that in the last days people will heap to themselves teachers who will scratch their itching ears. That people have an agenda of things they want to hear and so they will go to places that will tell them what they want to hear instead of what the Bible says. Who will tell them what sounds good instead of what the Bible says. And while we have, for most in this room, we have been baptized in the only saving name of Jesus. And most of the people in this room have been filled with the Holy Spirit of God, evidence in speaking in other tongues. And while we should celebrate and be thankful for that, I would say that the reason that most of the world cannot receive Him is because we haven't told them about the real Jesus and His Spirit that can live inside of them. It is a lack of evangelism. It is a lack of telling others about the only saving name of Jesus. It's a lack of telling others that there is hope in the midst of this world. That there is peace in the middle of chaos. There is joy 
in the midst of despair. That there is help in time of trouble. And there is a hope of heaven in a world that is going quickly toward hell. So it is partly because of a lack of evangelism. But it's not only that. But the Bible says that those who cannot see and those who cannot hear the truth of Scripture, that Satan has blinded their eyes so that they cannot see the truth. That Satan, who is the God of this world, blinds them and they can't see what is true. Which is all the more reason for us to share the gospel of Jesus Christ at every opportunity. I believe it was this week in a Bible study. I had this conversation. And it was about why will so many people follow the Antichrist? That the majority of the world, they're going to follow the Antichrist. I'm not, I'm not making that up. It's, it's in the Bible. And so I kind of broke down. I mean, 70% of the world, they don't claim to be Christian at all. So what the Bible says is irrelevant to them. So they don't know that there is an Antichrist that's coming. They don't know that there's a one world government that's coming. They don't know that there's a one world religious system that's coming. So when this person comes on the scene and he's bringing peace and the false prophet calls down fire from heaven, they'd be like, man, let's get on board with this because they don't know. But of that 30% that remain of the entire world's population, would say less than 10%, and I could break it down for you, I'm not going to do it publicly, but less than 10% of the world's population would actually look at the Bible and go, man, I believe that to be true. So the majority of the world doesn't stand a chance. Why am I bringing it up here? Because the Spirit is the Spirit of truth. And Paul would write to the Thessalonians at the time of the Antichrist about that period of time and he would say that God Himself will send a strong delusion to those who did not have a love for the truth that they too should believe the lie. If God sends you a strong delusion... You have no hope. That there is no hope if God is deluding you. Because if He's the one sending you a delusion, who's going to save you and pull you out of that? But here's what He 
says it's because they did not receive a love for the truth. But you sitting in this room today, you've heard the truth. We in this room today, we know the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And when we're filled with the Spirit of God, He will lead and guide us into all truth. He will lead us to know all the truth that we need to know to be saved and all the truth that we need to know to live in this world and to live in a way that's pleasing to Him. He is the Spirit of truth. Would you stand together today? So here is my admonition today, and I'm only halfway through this message. I'll finish it next week. If I could pause it here in the middle at this point, I would echo the words of the Scripture that would say this, buy the truth and sell it not. You're not going to make a profit if you sell it. You're only going to lose. Buy the truth and sell it not. Jesus would tell the parable of the pearl of great price. Who in man, when he found it, he would sell everything that he has to buy the field. That everything is in that basket. My friend Mark here, he's financial advisor. And in the investment world, you never put all of your eggs in one basket. It's just a bad idea. You never put all of your investment in one place because if something happens... You're in trouble. You've got to diversify. But when it comes to the kingdom of God, there is no diversification. If you put everything in the kingdom, you buy the truth and sell it not. And everything that would try to take you away from the kingdom of God, you push it aside. I'm not going there. I'm not doing that. I'm not... Living that lifestyle because I'm going to stick with the truth. That I'm going to follow the truth of God. And I've been raised in this all of my life. And I would tell you that more than likely, I I don't know this to be exact, but it's anecdotally, I'm pretty sure that what I'm going to tell you is true. There are more people that have once known this truth that have walked away that are still living today than there are going to be in apostolic churches today.
they bought the truth or maybe they just were leasing it for a period of time. But somewhere along the line, they said, you know what? I'm going to go with a different truth. I'm going to go a different way. I'm going to have my cake and eat it too. I'm going to follow Jesus my way instead of his way. And I didn't know where this was going to end because I wasn't sure I would finish it. But here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to invite you to come as a declaration of your continued faith in Jesus. And say, Lord, I'm going to buy the truth and I'm going to sell it not. I'm going to let your spirit lead and guide me into all truth. That no matter what comes, no matter what obstacles, no matter what difficulties, no matter what tragedies, Lord, I'm sticking with you today. If that's your prayer, that's your desire, would you just take step out of your seat? Would you come around the front? Would you just lift your hand and say, God, I'm here. I'm giving you everything today. God, I'm buying the truth and I'm selling it not. I'm going to walk in your paths. I'm going to walk in your ways. I'm going to walk in a way that's pleasing to you. I'm going to walk in a way that lines up with your word today. God, we thank you today for what you've done in us. We thank you that you have given us another helper. We don't have to be alone. And God, that you're going to be with us forever as long as we follow you. And it is the spirit of truth that will lead and will guide us into all truth and all righteousness.